0: Well, good morning. How is everyone today? Everyone doing good. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. We're so thankful that you are worshiping with us today. As Pastor Todd mentioned, this is the last week in the sermon series called The Journey. It's been a joy uh, walking through uh, the Word of God with you, talking about some of the things that we are going to encounter along the journey as we pursue Christ, and if you will, I just want to rehash uh, the sermon series with you. If no other reason for you maybe to hear one that you weren't here and think, man, I need to go back and I need to see what the Word of God says about that particular thing. So with the first week, if you remember, we talked about salvation, that the journey with Jesus begins when we place our faith in Him, and if we've not trusted in Jesus as our personal Savior, then your journey of following Him is not yet Begun the the following week was God's plan for your life. How we looked at the word of God, and we believe that God has a specific plan for every life in the room. Do you believe that, church? God's got a plan for your life. We talked about working that plan to see what God has for you. The next week, we looked at the importance of prayer along the journey. And if you remember, we got real theatrical. We had the notepad, and I wrote down life on it, and, and we ripped out those pages. And, and along our journey, that that's what we do in our prayer life. We just say, God, here's, here's what's going on. Your will be done. Do you remember that? Man, it's a powerful moment of just saying, God, you're in control of my life. The following week, we looked at tragedy, that tragedy will strike along the journey. If it hasn't yet, it, it will. And how we as people of God, how we maintain faith when things really don't go our way. And the following week, we looked looked at how to love difficult people. That was fun, wasn't it, church? How to love difficult people around us, because they're always going to be there. The following week, we, we talked about, man, help. My spouse isn't with me on the journey, and how real that was for so many in the room when husband and wife just aren't on the same page as they are pursuing the Lord. The following week, we looked at the importance of repentance. That in our journey, as we pursue Jesus, we're going to sin. We're going to mess up. And that we have to continually turn from that sin and face the Lord as we are chasing after him. The next week, we talked about forgiveness. That we have to forgive because Christ forgave us. And that was a sobering conversation. We had to really take a hard look at our life in our heart, and where we're at in our pursuit of the Lord. Can can I really forgive that person for what they have done to me? Is that possible? Can I do that? And then last week we discussed shame. That Satan wants nothing more than for the people of God to look back at what we've done and trip us up to keep us from going forward. And this week gets us to to week 10 in the journey, and we're going to discuss worship the importance of worship, that along the journey, you and I as believers in Christ must be devoted to worship. That this place, gathering here, must be a priority. And I'll be honest with you, as we were uh, talking about this sermon series several months ago, we get to this last one, and and it just seems like, whoo, that's that can be a tricky one. Don't talk about money, don't talk about politics, and don't tell me to come to church, right? But here we are. And we've got to talk about how you value worship. And is being here a priority in your life? So we ask this question why is being here such a big deal? Why is coming to church such a big deal. Why do my pastors, why do my leaders, why does God want me here? It's a big question. But before we get to the biblical response for this question, I, I want to go over some stats with you. Before we get to the stats, I want to set the stage of where we're at. Now, m- many of us, we, we don't want to go back over the last two years. I'm going to say a word, and if you've got a stone, you're probably going to throw it at me. But we're coming out of COVID, aren't we? And many of you are like, let's do not go back there. But we need to be real with the effects of what COVID did to us. Our minds and our hearts, what it did to us socially, how we view our our, our social life, how we view the church, how we view attendance, and even how we might view God and how we worship him. COVID had a lot of effects on us. And what we're going to look at is some stats from an organization called Church Answers Led by Tom Rainer, he does a wonderful job of polling thousands of churches across the nation, gathering data for all kinds of things. And what we see here this morning is that the church coming out of COVID, I say church, the big church, right, uh, those that follow Jesus, is it had profound impact on us. So you're going to see a slide. It says 30, 40, 30. 30, 40, 30. The first 30 represents 30% of those that attended before COVID have now disappeared. Now, what I mean by that, if you were to read this article, is not that they went from this church to that church. This is not the swapping of sheep. This is talking about those that were going to church before COVID. Now, 30% of them have completely abandoned worship altogether. And you could probably look around the room, whatever service you're in, and go... I see that. Completely disappeared. If this doesn't break your heart, it should. Some have coined this the great falling away. The 40, 40%. It stands for those that before COVID now have returned, 40% of them are not that committed, marginally committed. Meaning they might attend in person once a month, twice a month. And even if they are here, they're not really here. You know what I mean? You can be present and not be present. You know what I'm talking about? 40% of those that attended before COVID now are showing up sometime when they feel like it. And they're committed beyond that to to serving? Not so much. The last 30, 30%. These are those that attended before COVID now have returned, 30%. Are very committed. 30%. So if you do the math, the church now, statistically speaking, is 70% smaller than it was before COVID. And of that 70%, only 30 are really in it to win it. Church, we've got a problem here. I want you to understand this morning. I'm not getting on to you. So I want you to take a deep breath. Everybody's like, Luke, chill out, man. I'm not getting on to you this morning. Can we just take a deep breath? What I'm doing this morning is I want to bring to the surface some things that we as the church are currently dealing with. We can't sweep them under the road. We can't deny it. This is what's happening. I had the unique privilege of pastoring at two different churches during the COVID era. And when I look at these statistics, I can see that they are true across the board. Might be skewed a little way, one way or the other. but For the most part, this is where we're at. So I think we have an issue in the church. And here's how I want to phrase it. We have apathy in worship. We have apathy in worship. That 40%, that one gets me. That you might be here, you might be here this morning thinking, I'm glad I came to church today, right? But are you here, really here? Are you in it? We've we've got to talk about this this morning, that that along our journey as we pursue Jesus, we've got to be fully devoted to worship. I'm not preaching perfect attendance this morning. I want you to hear that. I'm not preaching perfect attendance. I'm preaching an elevated devotion to worship of God. Did y'all catch that? Elevate your devotion in your worship of God. So let's look at the word of God and let's see how it answers this question. Why is being here present in worship such a big deal? The first one on the screen it's because God is holy and worthy of your devotion and praise and worship. He's worthy. And I'll be honest with you, church. This first one, when this slide comes across the screen, I get a little convicted. Because when I read that, I, I think about my life, everything that I'm tempted to place in front of him. Everything that takes my heart's devotion Everything that, that I'm tempted with to, to worship above him. And we have to understand that God is very, very clear about where he should rank in our life. If we go all the way back to the Ten Commandments, I see he's setting them things up. This is what he said, put no other God before me. God is jealous for your worship. He is jealous for all of you. He wants your whole mind. He wants your whole body. He wants your whole heart. He wants all of you. And when we look at this slide, we, we think, wow, I'm, I'm tempted to, to place that in front of him. I'm tempted to make that a priority. I'm tempted to do this or that versus being here and worshiping him. That should convict us. Where does God rank in our heart? Because he is very much worthy of our worship. He is very much worthy of our praise. Let's read the word of God. It does a much better job than I. Psalm 96, 1 through 9. Bear with me. I've not had COVID. I've just been under the weather. You're going to see me drink a little bit. Bear with me. Psalm 96, 1 through 9. It says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of all other nations are mere idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world. Recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. That the earth tremble before him. God is worthy of our devotion and our praise if you have been changed by the gospel, if you've been made new in Christ, and you know that he is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, he holds everything. He should be worthy of our worship. He should be worthy of our attendance. He should be worthy of our, uh, our devotion. He, he's worthy of it all. God is a really big deal. And if we are tempted to place anything in front of him, we've committed the sin of idolatry. We've, we've placed things in front of him. And God is saying, I'm it because I'm worthy. I should be the only thing on your mind, only thing on your heart, the only thing worthy of your devotion and your worship and your praise is me. That's why as children of God, along our journey, we should make worship a priority because God is worthy. The second one says you are a part of the body. And if you're writing notes, I want you to write that down. I'm a part of the body, and out to the side I want you to write down, meant for good. You are a part of the body of Christ, meant for good. Let's jump right into scripture on this one, Romans 12, 4 and 5. It says, just as your bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. What I want you to understand this morning, church, is when Jesus saves you, when he sets you apart, and you are gifted the Holy Spirit. Listen to me now. When you are gifted the Holy Spirit, you are also gifted with spiritual gifts. He he gives you things to use for the body of Christ. Do you believe that this morning, church? So by you being here, by you being committed to this church, Holland Chapel is no accident. By God saving you, bringing you here to be a part of this body of believers is by design. He wants you here to use the spiritual gifts that he has gifted you to edify this body of believers. Why? So that we can bring him honor and glory. You are set apart, meant for good. You've been gifted to be a part of this body. Whether you believe it or not, God wants you here for that purpose, And when you're not here, listen to me, when you are not here, the body of Christ notices. Lived in Texas, many of you know that. And in Texas, they love cows. They love horses, they love rodeos, they love it all. A lot of cowboys there. Cowboy life is alive and well in East Texas. And I've never uh, shook the hand of so many guys who did not have a thumb, I learned a little bit. It's called rodeo thumb. What they do is they go out on ranches, they still do cowboy stuff, and they the cow that runs away, they'll go get it, they'll lasso it, and if you're not careful, your hand is on the horn of that saddle, that rope goes out, there goes your thumb. They told me that story when I got over my sickness. I said, boy, that must have hurt. I bet you felt that. And he said, you bet. You notice when something that was there is gone. The same goes for the body of Christ. The body of Christ knows when you're not here because you've been given a gift to be plugged in here, to be used by God to edify this body of believers. And when you're absent, the body suffers. God has set you apart for specific tasks. So when you serve, you edify the body. When you give of your talents and your gifts, You edify the body of Christ. When you worship, you edify the body of Christ. And When you're not here, the body of Christ notices. You are a part of the body, meant for good. Let's keep reading, Romans 1 verse 12, this is Paul speaking, he says, when we get together, he's talking to the church, when we get together. I want to encourage you in your faith. It's really cool, really sweet of Paul to say that. But he says this, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Listen to me now, church. I can't be encouraged by your faith if you're not here. Paul's saying, I, I want nothing more than when we get together. For, for me to open the word, to, to, to teach you, to, to elevate your faith, to encourage you. And this is what he says I, I want the same from you. Church, I want the same from you. I, I want to be encouraged by your faith. But I can't do that if you're not here. I, I, I thought about. It. I sent some texts to some some personal people in here, and I, I I didn't get the responses in time to say their names publicly. So I want, So I'll just kind of speak in general. But but right now I'm thinking about different people in this church that their faithfulness has encouraged me. I'm thinking about people in this church that received a cancer diagnosis and they still showed up to serve every single week until the Lord called them home. They had no excuse. You might be thinking they had a real good excuse, but in their mind, they didn't. I'm thinking of people in here who've been dealt hardships in their family, and of all the people that have that excuse not to wake up and get the kids ready. I'm thinking about these specific people, but they still wake up, they still get the kids ready, and they come here because they love the Lord, He's worthy of worship, and they want to edify the body, and they've made it a priority, and I'm encouraged by their faith. I'm I'm thinking about the the guy who who said, you know what, I'm going to change my job because I can't be at church when I want to be at church, and I've got to be an example for my family. I'm thinking about the family who says, you know what, we'll play ball Monday through Saturday, but not on Sunday, and you've made that commitment. You being here is an encouragement, not just to me, but look around the room, to everybody here. We're the body of Christ, meant for good to edify one another, and that can't happen if you're not here. You are meant for good. The third thing this morning, it's for your spiritual growth. Being here, being devoted to worship, it's for your spiritual benefit. It's for your good. Now, granted, I'm not not saying that like perfect attendance makes you a super Christian. No more than going and buying a lottery ticket makes you a millionaire. But it increases your chances, church. Should be funny. Nobody's laughing at that. You're like, we're not supposed to buy lottery tickets. Does the Bible say we can do that? But by you being here, it increases your odds of growing in faith and knowledge in the Lord. Don't you want to give yourself every chance possible to grow in likeness of Jesus' church? Amen. Ephesians 4, 12 and 13, this is where we pick up. It says their responsibility, he's talking about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, if we abandon worship, if we uh, uh, abandon being here, then, then what we're reading here, the opposite must be true. If we're not making this a priority, if we're not making sitting under spiritual leaders teaching and teaching and going to this group and that group a priority in our life, we've, we've got to uh, deduct from scripture that if I'm not here, then I am drifting. If I'm not growing in my faith, my faith is slipping. If if I'm not making worship a priority, then my faith is not growing. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place for us to be. When you're reading this, you're, you're seeing that it's by design that you be here under the leadership of your pastor's And the teaching, for, for you to grow in that knowledge. But again, for you to grow, you've got to be here. If you keep reading in verse 14, it says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. If you read in verse 14, this is exactly where Satan wants to keep you by distancing you from the body of Christ. If Satan can separate you from from here, if he can devalue worship in your life, he can get you by yourself, then then he can keep you in that immature state, and you're more susceptible to lies. You're more susceptible to sin. He's got you where he wants you. And if you remember, church, Satan equates, or uh, the, the word of God equates Satan to that of a, a roaring lion just roaming around, right? You, you remember that illustration? That's, that's what Satan does. There's going to be a picture on the screen. Now listen, I'm, I'm no lion expert, but I've watched enough Nat Geo to know that a lion wants its prey by itself. What that lion does is he singles out the one that is separate from the herd. Why? Because it's easier to pick off. And the word of God literally says that's what he does. He's roaming about. And he wants nothing more than a child of God to be distant from worship. To to, to make being here not a priority off by themselves. Thinking they can do this by themselves. And about that time he attacks. And you wake up one morning going, how did I get here? Chances are you've probably distanced yourself from the body of Christ. You found yourself alone, away from the people that can encourage you, away from the people that can hold you accountable, away from the people that are going to pray for you. You're by yourself and prone to Satan's attacks. That's just what he's looking for. This is your safe space. This is your herd. How does that make you feel? This is your herd. These are your people. This is where you grow in faith and knowledge and and are protected by God's people. It's for your benefit. The fourth thing why is being here such a big deal? Because God asked you to. Perhaps this is my favorite one. I want to talk to the parents in the room still raising little ones. I want to see if you can relate to this at all. You approach your child and you say, "Hey, will you, will you please, uh, will you clean your room?" Why? They ask. Don't they always ask why? Why? Well, if you clean your room, it uh, there's a better chance that you'll find what you're looking for if everything's organized. You won't step on it and, and break it, and it's just better to be neat, right? Or, or, or maybe say, "Hi, hey, I need you to eat all the vegetables on your plate." They ask. Why? Well, because uh, it's good for you. Those vegetables, like, they're going to help your body. You're going to be strong. Anybody do, like, the Popeye arms? It's going to make you strong. Anybody do that? No other parents? You're going to let me out to dry on that? I'm the only one? It's like it's going to make you strong? That's, that's my, it's going to make you strong, little girl. It's going to make you strong. But, so, after we've done all this, like, we've made our case as to why doing what we're telling them to do will benefit them, they say it one last time. They say, why? And then mom and dad says this, because I said so. Because I said so. So if if all attempt at making the case as to why that will benefit them just does not work, the word of God says, because God says so, child of God, that should be enough. God says. Worship me. God says, gather with my people. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. God's word instructs the people of God to gather together. What he's saying is just show up, be here. And if I don't seem worthy of your worship and your devotion, I soon will. Just just be there. He's saying, show up. If, if, if you don't realize that you're a part of the body, just give it enough time and you'll find your place to serve. He's saying, just, just show up for your spiritual benefit. If you don't understand it now, you will. God is saying, be with my people. And if he is truly the Lord of your life, if you've truly submitted yourself To him. He's the author of your life, controller of everything. And he says, Go to church. He says, Worship me. He said, Make me a priority. You say, You bet. If nothing else, church, be obedient to what God has asked you to do. During the first service, we had a group of people upstairs going through the new member commitment. Going through the new membership class and at the end they go through this commitment. And number four on it, it literally said, I have it here. It says, I will support the testimony of my church. And the first thing there, it says, by attending worship gatherings faithfully. And then it quotes Hebrews chapter 10. You see, from the very beginning stages of of being a part of what God is doing in his church, the gathering of his people is made a priority through his word reiterated by spiritual leaders, and hopefully you hold each other accountable in that. Where does God rank? Your devotion to him in worship will tell you everything you need to know. Along our journey as we are pursuing Jesus Christ, the gathering of the saints, being here, being present, is crucial to you growing in knowledge and likeness of Jesus Christ. It's essential for you. Now, I want everybody to look up. Once you to look me in the face, I'm not mad at you. I hope this morning you don't leave here going, Well, I really am glad I showed up on that one. I'm sorry for those that didn't. I'm not getting on to you. My heart's desire through this message was to elevate the importance of being devoted to God in worship. And however that rest on your heart is between you and the Lord. Let me pray for you. God we love you. Thank you for your words. Thank you for the instruction that it gives. thank you that it addresses how important it is to gather with your people. God, I pray for your church, this church, the precious people of Holland Chapel. God, however this message landed this morning, I pray that you use it and that you do something with it. Your word says that it corrects, rebukes, and encourages, and I pray that it does just that. God help us to value the gathering of the saints, the gathering of your children. Help us to make it a priority. Help us to understand that it is like water and air, it is essential to life in you. You set your church apart. You sent your son to die for it. Help us to be committed, Lord. Whatever the excuse, help us to get rid of it. Help us to be devoted this morning. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. Thank you, God, for being good. Thank you for sending Jesus. We ask everything in his precious and holy name.